It's a big frontal attack mounted by the Congress party saying economy is now in co-mine. Let me take this to Shweta Punj and Rajiv uh, with me on the broadcast. Uh, Shweta, is the economy now in coma? Is, is there merit uh, in Randeep Surjewala saying this is deep, deep recession? It is, it is a deep, deep problem for sure. Technically speaking, it does not qualify for a recession because recession means negative growth. I mean, yes. that's the definition of recession. But in terms of the data, you look at the agriculture sector, it grew at 2.1% in the second quarter as compared to 2% in the first quarter. Mining is down to 0.1%. Manufacturing is down Negative. It's, it's negative. negative Manufacturing is negative. It's in the negative. Construction is at 3.3% compared to the 5.7% in the first quarter. So look at all your economic so eight drivers. core sectors all, all down, drivers. Rajiv. Yes. Yeah. So Rajiv, all of them down. <coughs> yes. Where is the government going so wrong? Why, is, why aren't government's efforts working? So I seriously believe we missed very good opportunities in the Piyush Goel budget, which uh, where, where if we had, you know, it was very clear even in the Piyush Goel budget that the economy is slowing down. Uh, then we missed a great opportunity in the first uh, interim budget by uh, and then the final uh, final budget. Uh, we missed we missed multiple opportunities, but the but the you know at the core of all this uh, all this misses. Uh, is the fact that the government doesn't seriously believe that it's a consumption slowdown. The government believes it's an investment slowdown. And so it is working on investment. Yes. This is where the disconnect is. The economy is going one way and the government is going another way. Uh, so this is this is the serious uh, disconnect that uh, is there between what uh, what is the ground reality and what the government thinks is Let's understand this fact that Indian economy was in shambles before COVID-19 crisis hit entire country. We also have to understand that mining, coal, retail, agriculture, automobile and many other industries were going down and at a very faster pace. So the question remains, where was the focus of this government all the time? Our entire government's focus has been either on, uh, you know, on the temple or Kashmir. It's it's always been about the optics. It's always been about, you know, nationalism. Economy has not been their focus area. All right, we understand. We all understand totally. Remember Prime Minister Modi's speech during lockdown 2.0 wherein he said that none of the employers should fire their employees? Well, listen to this. Chatti baat, aap apne vyavsai, apne udyog mein, apne saath kaam kare logon ke prati sambedna rakhe, kisi ko nokri se na nika. Well, this advisory was also taken down by Supreme Court of India, stating that employers have full rights to hire or fire anyone. They also suggested that government should come up with an economic package as early as possible. Hey guys, I'm your host Muzamil Mubul and I welcome you to another episode of Plain Talk with MMB. On today's episode, we're going to talk about economic crisis in India and the possible way out. 
On the panel first, I have with me Professor Mohan Guruswamy. He is a professor as well as author of many books on public policy, latest being Chasing the Dragon, Will India Catch Up With China? We also have Rajiv Tiagi with us, Captain Rajiv Tiagi, an ex-Indian Air Force pilot as well as a successful entrepreneur. We also have Dr. Jamal on the panel who will be talking about economic crisis and the possible way out. Let's welcome Mr. Mohan Guruswami first. Mr. Mohan Guruswami, thank you so much for being with me on Plain Talk. It's really an honor to have you on my podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, Mr. Guruswami, let let me uh, go ahead and start today's episode with one important question. I have recently said that the economic slowdown which is happening worldwide is mostly because of India. They also projected the growth rate of India has been lowered down to a mere 4.8%. The unemployment rate is worst hit in the entire country. Yet our Prime Minister Modi is eyeing to reach a $5 trillion economy by 2024. Do you think it's achievable as of now? Yeah, I'll have to first make a correction. Mm -hmm. The IMF has now come out, the chief economist of the IMF, Mm -hmm. has now said that the Indian GDP in 2021 will contract by 4.5%. Okay. We minus 4.5%. Wow. So there is no question of growth. Okay. Growth was somewhere in the past. Mm -hmm. We were thinking of growth, and 4.8% was at that time considered low growth. Okay. Now, minus 4.5 is considered low contraction because many economists are actually expecting True. this contraction to be almost 10%. So, mm-hmm. and the reason why the IMF is saying India has slowed down is because China is back at its old growth levels. Mm-hmm. It's back to higher production and its growth is now being driven by domestic consumption. Okay. What it has lost in the export markets, it is selling in the domestic markets. It has loosened credit availability to its domestic consumers, mm-hmm. and it is consuming mm-hmm. domestically. India, which was contributing 12 to 15% of world GDP growth, is now not going to contribute. It's going to be negative. Which is why the and it is the third largest economy in the world Absolutely. in PPP terms, which is why the world GDP is going to be affected. America is contracting, India is contracting, mm-hmm. only China is growing. So if China was not growing, our contraction would be even more. Absolutely, and 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 uh, you know we uh, we uh, we also saw our Prime Minister you know, Modi, uh, Mr. Modi, talking about the five trillion dollar economy. You know, uh, which uh, entire countries are in 2020. I don't think five trillion dollars was feasible, mm-hmm. even in happier times when he was talking about it. Okay. Twenty twenty four is not feasible. Okay. Five trillion will happen, mm-hmm. but maybe twenty seven, twenty eight. Okay. Not 2024. At the time, Modi ji was talking. Now we might be quite lucky if we touch five trillion mm-hmm. in 28, 29. Okay. Because it's going to take that much time to recover. Okay. You don't get your growth rates up 
immediately from minus. You're not getting, going to get it into plus, into plus five, plus six Absolutely. very soon. It's going to take time. It's going to require a lot of investment, a lot of hard work, a lot of savings, which I don't see any sign of that happening now. The government is not thinking of it. Uh-huh. And it has been very quiet on economic stimulus. The whole world has been giving economic stimulus. USA, Japan, France, Germany, Britain, everybody has been giving average of 15 to 20%, 25% of GDP True. as economic stimulus. True. The U.S. alone is putting $3.5 trillion uh-huh. as economic stimulus, which means additional money being pumped into the economy. We have given so far about 60,000 crores. Uh-huh. There is a peculiar mindset in India that fiscal stimulus or pump priming the economy is bad. It's in our mindset. Uh-huh. And this mindset is, uh, you know, a difference between the Keynesian economics and the Chicago economics. <laughs> Chicago, I call it Chicago economics or Gujarati mindset. Absolutely. When things are bad, you need to spend money. Absolutely. Not when things are, when, when things are good also, you need to spend money, but not so much. But things are bad, you've got to put money in the hands of people so that they can put food on their thalis, mm-hmm. and economy is revived that way, by consumption from the bottom, Absolutely. not by consumption at the top. The top consumption is very limited. How many additional tons of wheat will the middle and upper classes consume? Absolutely. Absolutely. So these are issues which we have to resolve. This is a major ideological issue in India, and it's unfortunate that nobody is raising it. We're not talking about it. Because ideology has lost relevance in India. Uh-huh. Relevance is now whether a temple will save India or no. I, I totally agree with you, you know, Mr. Guru Swami. Uh, uh, let me move ahead to the Galwan standoff, the recent Galwan standoff. India recently started a campaign called Boycott China. A lot of apps were banned, but little less people understand that the trade is still going on, which is going to, you know, uh, I, I mean, who is going to hurt most when it comes to, you know, by calling China? Is it China itself or is it India? Well, you know, China is not going to hurt because the Indian market for them, export market is a very small part of their total global export market. True. It is less than 5%. Less than 5%. Okay? So China is not going to hurt. India is going to hurt because there are many sectors in which we're totally dependent on the Chinese. Uh-huh. Uh, this is, for instance, the pharmaceutical sector. We have stopped making APIs True. in India, which are the basic chemicals you need to make uh, for, uh, form, uh, formulations. Absolutely. Medicines, we have stopped making them, and most of our API production has gone away to China. Uh-huh. We used to produce a lot of this now. That went off to China because of various reasons. The cost of production is cheaper in China. Cost of um, you know doing business is cheaper. Ease of doing business is less, is easier. So all those factors have driven them to China. Now we have to get them back. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to get them back. It's not going to be easy. And uh, similarly in telecom, 80% of our smartphones come from China. True. Only the high-end smartphones come from Korea. Mm-hmm. and some other countries, not even Japan anymore. 
China supplies most of our, so we have got now no production indigenously. Mm-hmm. Even the assembly units we got up now are dependent on parts from China. So you suddenly can't say that I will not import Chinese. Mm-hmm. It will take time. And if you replace Chinese production with your own production, mm-hmm. it makes sense it, to your economic benefit. But if you re- replace Chinese production with somebody else's production, it is the same. Absolutely. Because you're still paying for it in dollars. So it makes no sense. With Chinese cost of goods are usually cheaper. Yeah. Why pay more for what you can get from China cheap? China is a preferred producer of uh, components and raw materials mm-hmm. because it is a cheap producer. Absolutely. That is China's big advantage. Mm-hmm. Why should we spend more money elsewhere to spite China? Mm-hmm. Particularly when it doesn't affect it. Absolutely. And, 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 and as far as Galwan is concerned, mm-hmm. you know, we were sleeping. True. That Chinese occupied it under our noses. Absolutely. So we have to ask our security forces, what were you doing? That's you asking the Chinese. The Chinese always claimed that area. But mm-hmm. we, should, we were there, and why did we give them space? That should be the question. Absolutely, absolutely, and and they also they are also eyeing you know Arunachal Pradesh, you know, which they show them in their maps as southern Tibet. Yes, they've been eyeing that for a long time. They can eye anything. I I, I once told a Chinese audience in Shanghai mm-hmm. that you can even eye Tangara in Calcutta, which is <laughs> a Chinatown, because there are Chinese people living there. Absolutely, but doesn't mean that we we will let you take it. There are some things in which, you know, we've got to get an agreement with China mm-hmm. that this new map drawing will end. Mm-hmm. For that, we have to get an agreement with all our neighbors, mm-hmm. including Pakistan. True. But maybe, you know, this new map drawing should end. We should settle with what we've got. Mm-hmm. There is no end to this. I totally agree. And and in uh, recently, a new phrase was coined as Atmanirbar Bharat. In true senses, you know, to to make India an export economy, more of an import economy. Uh, so how do you see in true senses, you know, how much time it will take on real grounds to build an Atmanirbar Bharat? We have not done it in, in 70 years, mm-hmm. and we cannot <laughs> do it also for a long time because nobody is totally self-reliant. That's, that's absolutely Everybody correct. is reliant on on imports. Imports. Matter of fact, there's a, it's a paradoxical situation. The more you export, the more you import. Mm-hmm. You cannot export without importing. True. Even look at China's trade bill. It imports, but then adds value to what it imports and exports it out. True. So I think this is something we need to understand. Mm-hmm. That Atma is a good idea. But, you know, which is our biggest Atma Nirbhar, you should start with, with defense sector. True. We are importing everything. Even today, well, Prime Minister talking about Atma Nirbhar, his defense people are running all over the world looking for weapons to buy. True. And look at the way we have got so excited because some, some, uh, some, uh, uh, Weapons were imported from uh, from France. Mm-hmm. You know, I we have to therefore uh, we have to balance our feelings mm-hmm. and do all these things in a cool, calm, and collected manner. Atmanirbhar will take many years to achieve. And what were you doing for five years? Absolutely. If you think that you know we got overly dependent on others, that 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 that's absolutely correct, uh, uh, Mr. Guru Swami. Uh, let's let's.
talk about the current situation in the entire country. We are into a lockdown 3.0. And uh, I recently read a statement in which you also had shared on your social media handle. Dr. Fauci says 29% of asymptomatic never develop symptoms, but accounts mm -hmm. for 45% of the COVID-19 infections. How do you see this going on in the second largest you know, um, uh, country uh, by population? Uh, if at all we reopen in unlockdown 4.0 india has now become india has now become the biggest covid population growth population in the world without any doubt and uh, the next 1 million addition will take place in just 12 days uh -huh. uh, but you know it's a fact of life that you know many people who are carriers of corona uh -huh. are without symptoms absolutely mostly young people don't carry symptoms true so uh, the only protection against coronavirus till we get the vaccine uh -huh. is social distancing. Uh -huh. And we can practice social distancing in India, selective social distancing. Certain age groups, certain vulnerable groups True. can be True. made to voluntarily practice isolation. In China, you forcibly make them practice isolation. In India, we have to do it voluntarily. Uh -huh. But even that is not being practiced. Absolutely. You know, we're having... We're having Temples are open, mosques are being opening, and so you know, gathering in marketplaces taking place. There's no social distancing norms being this. So I think we have to be ready for the long haul. Uh -huh. But on the other hand, our mortality rates are very low because our plus 65 age group cohort is very small, relatively small. Sure. It's only 6% as opposed to um, France and Italy and Germany, which have had high mortality rates, they have almost a quarter of the population about this age group. True. And so with Japan. Uh -huh. So to that extent, our, our youthfulness, if you call it, uh -huh. that is the absence of old people, is to our advantage. Uh, so, uh, uh, Mr. Guruswamy, I'm, I'm worried about two things. Uh, since we, we, we are going into a lockdown 4.0, uh, what if schools and the metros are allowed, you know, to to restart again? Do you think, you know, that is something, you know, which metro cities should be, you know, worried of? No, I think schools and metros can start mm -hmm. because it's generally well known that young people tolerate um, coronavirus very well, and even if they are symptomatic, it is mild symptoms. True. Ninety percent exhibit only mild symptoms, mm -hmm. that is cough and cold, and it passes like a common cold. Mm -hmm. It's only the vulnerable groups, the above 65 people with other problems, health problems, okay. who uh, are at high risk. And mm -hmm. that too, morbidity there is about 20%. I so therefore, you know, we needn't become very panicky about it. But metros should be spaced out. Mm -hmm. You know, people should practice distancing in metros. Mm -hmm. People should practice distancing in buses, mm -hmm. and uh, people who are unhealthy, Absolutely. who visibly unhealthy, should be discouraged from traveling in public modes of transmission. But at one at one stage, we also have to move a little more freely to increase immunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if we all remain isolated, uh, we will be immune. Till we are exposed again, and you permanent isolation is not a solution. Uh -huh. It is gradual immunity we have to build up. True, true, true.
And that should be the goal. True. I think, therefore, we should be practicing things like, you know, uh, no metros on Sundays or, you know, um, markets opening by rotation uh-huh. at different days of the week and things like that to stagger the number of people meeting each other in public places. Absolutely. And as social distancing, we should practice in our homes, uh-huh. in our cultural events, in our religious events. All that is very important. Absolutely. You know, I, I totally agree with you, sir. You know, we should boost our, our immunity as well as, you know, practice social distancing. Mr. Guru Swami, thank you so much for being with us on Plain Talk today. It was really a pleasure having you. And we hope My to speak with yeah. you again very soon. Certainly, you, I look forward to it. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Bye. Have a lovely time ahead. Bye. All right, guys, this was Mr. Mohan Guruswamy with us. Next on the panel, we have Captain Rajiv Tyagi. Let's welcome him. Uh, Captain Rajiv Tyagi, thank you so much for being with me on Plain Talk. It's really an honor to have you on my show. Thank you. Thank you for having me over on your show. You're welcome. Uh, Captain, we're at number one when it comes to uh, COVID-19 positive cases across India across the world as well. Uh, we are, we are, uh, our foreign trade has been declined overall by 30% from last six months. How do you see current economic crisis affecting entrepreneurs like you across India? Well, as the, as the lockdown opened, uh, there has been uh, some pent up demand, which has been noticed by industry, which has been noticed by the government. Uh, and people are tom-tomming this uh, pent-up demand, but I don't think this pent-up demand is an indicator of what is going to be the future of the market. Uh, the pent-up demand will uh, go away in another month or m- maybe two months. And after that, uh, I see oh, a lot of pain for uh, industry, especially for small and medium industry. True. The government has come out with some sort of schemes which has uh, which. Uh, involves uh, small and medium industries uh, being able to get uh, loans without collateral from banks. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's basically everything on paper. Uh, On the ground, uh, banks are saying that they do not have uh, instructions from their head office. Uh, Now, unless the government proactively addresses this problem, uh, this is going to cause a lot of uh, pain in the market. You know, a, a lot of companies are going to down their shutters, not being able to, um, you know, finance their uh, projects or their uh, sales, Absolutely. their manufacturing. Absolutely. Yeah. And and if I may ask, you know, uh, what kind of entrepreneurship, you know, you are into and how it has personally affected you ever since, you know, we went into lockdown 1.0, you know, in the month of March. Well, I've, uh, I'm fortunate in the sense that uh, I uh, supply a mix of goods mm-hmm. uh, to industry as well as uh, to defense. Now, the, my, my uh, demand uh, from uh, the defense sector uh, for military applications, uh, there has been a lot of pent-up demand because of the lockdown for last four months. And uh, that has suddenly uh, started coming to me, but then this is not the situation uh, across the board for all industry. True. Not all industry are uh, engaged in, you know, supplying uh, goods to the for military applications. So I think uh, now, for example, uh, in my case, uh, my demand uh, from Indian industry is uh, close to zero today. 
there is absolutely no demand and uh, people who were thinking of upgrading or automating their uh, systems uh, before the lockdown mm-hmm. have uh, completely changed their plans uh, there is no longer uh, kind of the of the sort uh, on their horizon absolutely uh, uh mrs diagi we have seen a lot of buzz uh, going on online you know over the internet about bicot china uh my question is will will bicot china affect businesses and startups in entire india which most of them are dependent on imports we actually get from china well yes uh, it's a, it's a great misfortune for our nation you know that uh, we are a nation that are driven that is driven by jingoism uh, you know for uh, for any kind of uh, event that plays internationally uh, it is jingoism that drives our responses uh, Mm-hmm. uh the government without uh, thinking about the consequences of what would happen uh, immediately went after you know banning all kinds of things mm-hmm. and uh, uh they they have not really uh, worked their mind on this uh india's industry a very large part of our industry is dependent on uh, chinese intermediates true so these these intermediates are uh, in a sense raw material for uh, finished goods that our industries uh, build or create or manufacture um the chinese have been at it uh, for a very long time and their efficiency is uh, unparalleled we cannot really uh, compete with their efficiencies and uh, efficiencies of scale you know that uh, they have so uh, certainly the, there are two problems now that confront our industry uh, one is that uh, the capacity uh, uh, that we have lost from the ban on imports we will have to build that capacity first absolutely after after building that capacity we start uh, producing our uh, finished goods uh, the cost of our finished goods is going to rise uh, you know uh, tremendously and i don't know if we will remain competitive in uh, international trade absolutely you know so this is something i don't know how the government even thinks of uh, addressing this this is not something that you can switch off and switch on whenever you want you know uh, creating that kind of infrastructure creating that ecosystem uh, is something that takes decades it's it's not something you can just switch off today and switch from the other side true you see so um, this is yes this is another thing uh, that indian industries got to face and uh, for example our entire motor ancillary um, industry uh, depends on inputs from uh, chinese uh, companies absolutely you know so well this is uh, it's unfortunate that uh, we have responded in this manner uh, let us see what happens absolutely so i think i think the atmanirbhar bharat the the, the 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 phase which was coined very recently you know it will take a lot of time you know, to get activated on the ground uh, yes certainly it it is not uh, you know something that the chinese have built over decades we certainly cannot hope to build uh, overnight absolutely 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 uh, mr tyagi we also have to understand the fact that our economy was in shambles before covid-19 crisis and after covid-19 it went from bad to worse and right now we also have security challenges from ladakh to arunachal pradesh how do you see things as an ex fighter pilot with indian air forces and what is the possible way out when it comes to security challenges like these we are currently facing in the entire country 
Well, uh, uh, we come back to your previous question. You know, it's uh, truly unfortunate that uh, not only our government, I mean, our government is driven by the kind of people that have uh, elected it. Sure. And uh, uh, they, they are driven entirely by jingoism. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is the way they respond to everything that happens around us internationally. Mm -hmm. If you remember, after... after uh, Article 370 was advocated, mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of noise from the ruling party uh, about uh, taking back uh, Gilgit and Baltistan Absolutely. and, uh, you know, from POK and things of that sort. True. Now, noises of this kind coming out from the ruling party of India, the BJP, is to be taken seriously by everybody internationally. Absolutely. It is something like if we were to hear some kind of statement from a senior person in the Communist Party of China, we would have to take it seriously. True. Right? And uh, for China... China obviously has uh, seems to have taken this uh, challenge seriously because China has over 50 uh, billion US dollars worth of investment in Baltistan uh, by way of the uh, China-Pakistan economic corridor. corridor. Right. True. So I think you know this 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 uh, uh, notion of um, a muscular foreign policy or muscular way of running. A nation is is a very uh, is a very negative uh, concept, and uh, in the long run, it is something that damages your own interest. Absolutely. You see, you you may have uh, you may have uh, read in the newspapers uh, just recently about uh, um, two or three weeks ago, um, uh, members of the ruling party have been warned by the prime minister not to open their mouth out of turn. True. Uh, so uh, it appears that uh, it appears that uh, at the highest echelons, the government has realized, you know, that uh, opening your mouth out of turn uh, is taken seriously elsewhere. You know, yeah. whereas whereas in our country, uh, everybody, all politicians, are to the gallery. True. So this is something uh, you know we have to be very mindful of when we conduct uh, you know international relations, when we conduct diplomacy. And uh, that seems to be lacking uh, in our government. And uh, this has exacerbated uh, the problems that were caused because of COVID, because of, uh, um, you know, an economy that was already on its knees. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, we got COVID. And now we have to, we are confronted with uh, an, uh, you know, adversarial uh, situation from a neighbor. Absolutely. True. So I, I totally, I totally agree with you. Uh, Captain Raju Tiagi, it was a pleasure having you on Plain Talk. Thank you so much for your time, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, this was Captain Rajiv Tiagi with us. Next on the panel, we have Dr. Amir Jamal with us. Let us welcome him. Dr. Amir Jamal, thank you so much for being with me on Plain Talk. It's really, really an honor to have you on my podcast. Thank you, Musaman. And uh, let me acknowledge first that you are doing a commendable job. Mm -hmm. And that's podcasting is concerned. And in Kashmir, I am, uh, today everyone gets a buzz about your podcast. And you are really talking about good issues. And once again, I'm really happy to see you on this forum. Thank you so much. It really, really means a lot. Uh, my first question is about the agrarian economy. How much do you see 
Indian populace is dependent on this agrarian economy. And if you could break it down to our listeners, what this agrarian economy is all about. Yeah. Uh, any economy, be that in Indian economy or mm-hmm. any other economy of the world, uh-huh. if, that is, if that is centered about production and distribution, trade of agricultural communities, True. we can say that economy is an agrarian economy. If True. we will see towards Indian economy, we can clearly find out that Indian economy is an agrarian economy because major chunk of the country's raw domestic product comes from agriculture. And besides that, there are certain other factors which make us believe that Indian economy is an agrarian economy. For example, uh-huh. this is an only sector which still provides highest level of employment in the country. If we will compare our agricultural sector to the service sector, we can clearly see that even though service sector is contributing 53% of towards the gross domestic product, towards the, in terms of, I'm talking about total output, true, fine? True. So, but right now, Indian agriculture is only contributing 15%. But still, if we will see towards the employment level, service sector have not been providing that much of employment level. Uh-huh. Even in today in India, we can see that 50 to 60 percent population directly or indirectly depends on the agricultural and allied activities. So we can figure out that this is a basic, what we call, uh, we can say it's a foundation of a country like India because we heavily depend on farmers. If they won't be there, none of the sectors of the country will work because basic demand in India that comes from agricultural sector. We know that when we, it's not a small number, when we talk about 50 to 60 percent, it's about, mm-hmm. it, it's about 60 to 70 crore people. They are the more, I'm True. talking about the conservative efforts, more True. than that. True. They are directly or indirectly dependent on, on agriculture. Mm-hmm. If their condition would be good, mm-hmm. obviously secondary sector and tertiary sector would develop. Mm-hmm. If our agricultural sector will lack, because we can see in agricultural sector, there are Millions of rules are what we call them, which are vulnerable sections of the society. They are, they are ruler, landless uh, laborers. True. And these rural landless laborers, uh, including marginal and small farmers, they uh-huh. usually compromise of 80% of rural households. Absolutely. And if in present times, if we will talk about COVID times, although if we went a bit back in retrospect, if we would compare the present situation with uh, back to the COVID I'm talking about in retrospect, we can see that at that time, our wholesale price index and other indicators, they were showing that in terms of food inflation, India was not doing good. And Uh the COVID-19 aggravated the problem a bit further. And in recent times, we can see that although agricultural sector has been kept Uh kept on essential list, but still there are various stumbling blocks as far as uh, what we call supply chains are concerned. Farmers not able, are not able to sell their produce. How on earth they will earn anything? It's common sense economics. We don't require any rocket science modeling in this. If farmers not able to, uh, what we call, sell their produce, how on earth they will earn something? How would they will feed their families? And this will aggravate the problem a bit further. Although recently, the government introduced various mechanisms. But uh-huh. when we compare our, what we call, stimulus against the West, uh-huh. they are not. They are even small numbers there. For example, recently, United States of America, they gave $2 trillion as sort of a stimulus, out of which I guess around about 9 to 10 million was given to agricultural disaster management. And you can see how much India has to give to its farmers. Recently, 
Prime Minister sure. Kisan scheme, something like that. Under that scheme, 2,000 rupees, something like that was given to the farmers of print. And for me, this is a minimal account. In today's world, we can see a family consisting of five members. If they possess income below 4,000 rupees, they are considered as poor. And if government is providing such kind of help to the farmers, how on earth they will try, to, they will give education to the children or they will sustain in these kind of situations which are present in these times. So let, let me reiterate certain things. This COVID-19 is unprecedented. Let, let, let us acknowledge it. It has never happened before in the world. Mm -hmm. Although there, in history, there might have been um, episodes bigger than this, but I'm talking about modern times. This is unprecedented. We cannot, we cannot blame government for everything. They are doing their work, but simultaneously, we as the citizens of the country, what we have to do, we have to look for these issues. We cannot say government cannot reach outreach to everyone. It is job of the civil society, it is the job of the NGOs, it's job of the rich person of the locality to look after the poor ones. Therefore, the government has limited resources, how, how much they will go on spending and how will they will trace the people. It's not an easy job to trace these people. So, Absolutely. In present times, where the Mohalla type, what we have in Kashmir, that will really work with it. That something will be fine. Dr. Jamal, that's what my next question was. You know, 80 to 85 percent. You know, I, I, I was I was actually uh, checking the World Bank Policy Group data re very recently. 80 to 85 percent of Indian population is working uh, with unorganized sectors. So, what is, according to you, the best way to protect them? Uh, we we also have to keep in mind, you know, before you answer this question, we also have to keep in mind that Indian economy was in shambles pre-COVID-19 crisis and after that as well. So what is the best way, according to you, to protect this massive percentage of our entire population? Exactly. The First of all, I will clearly say that we have to build the narrative for an unorganized section of the society. If we will take a look, the question should be like that. Who are first? People should be aware about who are unorganized, um, who, who are the people who work in unorganized sector in India. And if we will take a look at broadly towards the Indian economy, we can say that marginal farmers, casual urban laborers, rural landless workers, scheduled caste, scheduled mm -hmm. tribe, they compromise of unorganized sector. And sure. these are the people who work uh, in the rural areas for others, and some have small plots of land where they just can feed their families. As Karl Marx say, they can just feed their families, and the Karl Marx beautifully quoted in terms of subsistence fields. Mm -hmm. These unorganized workers just can earn to feed their families for two square meals. Sometimes when they don't find a job, they even can't feed their families as well. Sure. So you can understand uh, the poverty in which they are living. So it's not easy to understand for us. We cannot even comprehend their situation. And after that, what I want to say here is that if, we, if this is not an economic problem, Maloney, this is a social problem as well, because most of the unorganized sector compromise of scheduled caste and scheduled tribe. Mm -hmm. In India, we can see 50% of population, even above these are conservative sure. issues, they belong to scheduled caste and scheduled tribe. Mm -hmm. And they are in states like Bihar, Orissa, the districts like Kalahandi, we can see their starvation that's happening. And usually the people are from these sectors because unorganized sector, that doesn't come under the government's rules and regulation. And in India, and after 1990, we know the rhetoric was very high as far as globalization is concerned. And, and as a student of economics, I'm in no way inclined to undermine the credibility of the, all the policies which the government has taken in retrospect in 1990. They did really good to Indian economy, but 
since 1990s, if we will compare unemployment levels in unorganized sector, and if we will compare what we call uh, the growth rate, although the growth rate has picked drastically, Indian growth rate has increased considerably. Sometimes it was above 8% in the 2003, 2000s under the Manmohan regime. But after that, we can see that the unemployment levels are also increasing. Even organized sector is not able to provide the jobs uh, to the people because right now in what there are strict labor laws are they, they don't wait for these labor laws because when foreign MNCs come they will hire only on the pretext of profits sure. and they don't care if they won't get people who are bit educated and all that they will they won't keep them in the companies and if we will see in urban sites we will see rack pickers, street vendors. These are the persons who are highest vulnerable to what we call the COVID-19 crisis. Because we Absolutely. have seen a few months back, we have seen people traveling, the migrant workers traveling. Uh, that wasn't catastrophe. So they are, they are traveling from their Delhi to their outskirts, sure. and they, they even they are not able to go through the buses because that actually portrays who they actually are. People then and only realize we have millions of people in India and estimate we, I, I already, this is an already known estimate that about 30 crore people in India, they live below poverty line. Absolutely. And, and these people, we have to take them care of. Now, as far as your question is concerned, how we can protect them, as I already said, these people are marginal farmers or small farmers. Likewise, we can, they are also um, the rural landless laborers. What we can do, government cannot provide them direct employment options. To be honest, it's extremely difficult because number is very high. Sure. What government can do, government can give them waivers, government can give them incentives. For example, if any farmer has is sowing seeds on his field in a, for, say, any crop, wheat or rice, government can give him free fertilizers, government can give him better irrigation facilities. When government will give all these services to these section of people, what will happen? Obviously, their productivity will increase and they will fetch more money out of their produce. With that, they can enhance their, what we call, farming their capacities and all capabilities, whatever you call that. Besides that, in urban areas, when we talk about, we know that these section of the organized sector is small enterprises. Mm -hmm. What government can do in small, very small enterprises, government can procure goods from them. If government will start with these initiatives, if they will procure food, sorry, goods from micro and small industries, they will remain in business. We know in today's time, as you know, you know, Musalman, the indigenous firms, they cannot compete with the foreign firms or the local big firms. They so we have, they cannot, indeed, they cannot. What we have to do, we have to protect them. True. We have to True. save them, we have to give them a shield until they will, they will become a big, they will go for what we call economies and scale and all that. And this, through this weekend, now, uh, there are certain people who are not able to find a job, even in small, like street vendors, because their condition is very, uh, what we call, they are in shambles, we can say. For those kind of people, government has introduced various policies. Let us acknowledge that as well. Although on paper, they look just policies, but their implementation due to corruption, due to nepotism, and other problems, they are not being, what we call, implemented uh, in the manner they should have. Been. So like Narega, these schemes, the wage rate in Narega, as recently government has introduced, uh, they, they have increased per day wage rate from 182 rupees to something like 202. This is a good initiative, although 200 rupees is a mere uh, 
it's a minimal amount of money but for these people who don't even earn single rupee for a day if they will get some money at least they will be able to feed their families besides that government has to also take a look at other they have to restructure other what we call the schemes which are already there to start a new schemes extremely difficult what we have to do we have to restructure the old schemes and taking into the consideration the modern times but what what we call um, country demands right now for example right now we demand country demands huge waivers for farmers they should be given we cannot build a new what we call scheme because we are not in that situation right now because it's it's unprecedented it's better to restructure the old policies true true uh, uh dr jamal uh my final question before we wrap up uh imf chief economist recently said Indian GDP will be minus 4.5% by 2021. You as an economist, how do you see this? Is this a real danger ahead? And if it is, how can we come out of it? Yes. Uh, yes, I read that article of IMF and wherein they clearly mentioned that Indian economy is going to be uh, actually it's a historic low figure. Mm-hmm. After 19 I'm taking a base year of 1961 because IMF uh, IMF has various data various databases in fact sure. like they have international financial statistics world economic outlook and blah blah they have various financial what we call international databases from where they get the data of the countries and they project various things no one can undermine the credibility of fund we know that fund is an epitome of uh, what we call forecasting as far as econometric modeling is concerned and the research there no one can undermine the credibility if they are telling you certain things they are they mean that and if we will this is not and when we when we uh, read the article and other what we call blogs of uh, miss gopinathan we can clearly find out that she clearly states that it's india is going to have a growth rate of minus 4.5% that is an historic low after 1961 but miss gopinathan again she also uses a word that this is unprecedented we none of the countries in the world would have witnessed it today because it's in pandemic it's in global recession so india is also going to be in sense with that and if we will take a look into the article we can find that other blogs of uh, miss gopinathan as well we can find out that she further says that it is going to be a disaster for indian economy in these months but after that the growth rate would pick up if we will see the projections of imf in 2021 they are telling that indian economy's growth rate will increase back to the 6% so we have some optimism there so again what what matters is here is that some physical stimulus matters we have to sure. take this situation very seriously because the projections of john hopkins and other universities of the world they provided various data and they already estimated that covid infections are going to increase in india because we usually think uh, the covid 19 outbreak is something that ephemeral ephemeral is something that lasts for a very short time but actually it was not uh-huh. we can see as you can see how much the cases are increasing day by day since march june july august and we are getting 50000 60000 cases per day and Absolutely. this this number is going to increase so what we can do in these times we can we have to make sure that food availability at least because what matters the most is food people should not nobody would want a um, no country in the world in fact would not never want that its citizens should die of uh, their citizens should if they would die out of True. starvation so True. the basic thing is that we have to pass these months together how can we uh, overcome the these stumbling blocks right now we can uh, 
overcome them together by appropriate macroeconomic policies. Uh -huh. What are the appropriate macroeconomic policies? We have to, first of all, ensure that supply chains from the agricultural sector should never get stopped. The demand for the agricultural produce should remain there. How we can do that? As government has already done in India, it has what we call declared as essential agriculture in essential what we call sector and the allied activities, procurement, uh, what we call the delivery, trucking, and all those things, warehousing, and whatever is related to the agricultural things. Government has declared them as essential services. So to say that uh, IMS uh, approach, uh, IMS, uh, sorry, projections are a bit worrying, I would say certainly yes, but taking at a closer look at IMS projection, they clearly state that this is going to end in somewhere in around about 2021, and Indian economy, as it has always sustained big shock, 2008 shock, it is going because it's the rule of economy, it's a rule of nature. After every what we call a downfall, there is an upturn. Likewise, every in every economy, if there is a downturn, recovery will start. And recovery, I hope, recovery will start very soon in 2001, so that everything will get back to the normal and people will enjoy. People will, and very nearly, I'm waiting when people will enjoy their lives. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, I also hope that everything comes back. You know, everything comes back to the normal as soon as possible. And this is the only hope we have. Uh, Dr. Amir Jamal, thank you so much for being with me on Plain Talk today. It was really a pleasure to have you on my show, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, and uh, it's an honor for me to come on this platform with uh, the strong hearts of the subject. And as a student of economics, it's an honor for me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have a lovely time ahead. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, that's all from today's episode. We will be back with another one soon. And hey, you can also support my podcast by logging on to patreon.com forward slash MMP. Thank you so much, and you have a great time ahead. This is your host, Muslim Mabu, signing off from Plain Talk. Thank you.